0: Covered. I seriously can't tell you how much Fiverr.com has helped me along with this podcast. Um, I've used them so much for this podcast. It's been unreal. They make my flyers, they go ahead and um, I hired this guy to help me upload Hello, and welcome to Get Schooled by Marcelo Alonso. Today's very special episode. I'm very excited. I have the Laura Desiree. (laughs) I'm very happy about this episode, and I was kind of worried because I wanted to talk about burlesque dancing. Because I feel like uh, people don't talk about it enough. It's an art form. Um, I do feel like it's part of sex work some people may say different Um, I always was the lap dancer strip dancer house dancer whatever people call it I was a dirty dancer Um, I did it all but I never knew the burlesque world and so I'm so glad and thank you for coming on please introduce yourself tell my audience who you are and I would love to hear how you got into burlesque dancing
1: Marcella, thank you for having me first and foremost. This is really special because Mm -hmm. I've done a, a slew of podcasts over the years talking about all aspects of my career, but I haven't done one on burlesque. I have not done one on my my ten plus years in in the art form of burlesque. So um, you know, nowadays I'm a content creator. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm still a performer. I still do burlesque. I still do erotic performances here in Manhattan. So a little bit more on the naked side. Mm-hmm. I obviously used to host Naked News, Legacy Web Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a uh, seven years of my life. But burlesque has been the biggest chapter of my life. Burlesque is something that I discovered when I was living in New York City and I was at this point I moved to New York when I was 18 from Toronto Mm -hmm. and I went to film school and it was very rigid and I was highly ambitious and it was you know the the producing for film and television program so I was very much hitting those books hard Mm -hmm. Um, New York nightlife is of course just so incredible I found myself going out at night and I noticed the go-go dancers in the Lower East Side. Mm -hmm. These amazing, tiny wardrobe-wearing wonder women of sorts that would be up on bar tops dancing and Mm -hmm. they would have the command of the room. And I said, that looks really fun. It it, it was like a, a kind of worship that really got me hot to see a dancer moving to the music and just orchestrating all of the energy in the space. So I got into go, go dancing Mm -hmm. and I loved it. It was such a a great balance to my life because I was, you know, doing school in the day and um, trying to remain as productive as possible. But in the evenings I had to like experience youth and being a wild young woman. And so go, go dancing became burlesque dancing for me. Mm -hmm. As I started doing more go, go gigs, on like rivington street and some of those amazing sleazy rock and roll bars uh i was i was tapped on the shoulder a number of times by people that said you know new york has a school of burlesque there's a school here in uh east village at least that's where it was then Mm -hmm. and uh, a woman named joe boobs weldon
0: joe boobs Weldon. (laughs) joe boobs Uh uh-huh
1: who is a legend in burlesque and in strip clubs, Mm. huge sex work activist and advocate. Um, She's incredible. She just had her 60th birthday. Oh, wow. uh, Just, just a couple months back. She teaches at this school. It's her school. And I decided to enroll. I decided I had seen a little bit of burlesque in the clubs at this point Mm -hmm. at places like the slipper room or the box, which are still going in Mm -hmm. Manhattan and very much keeping burlesque alive. But I knew that as much as I could express myself through dance, Mm -hmm. burlesque is very specific. You have some very classic poses and silhouettes and styles of movement that really only exist in burlesque. Yes, you're taking your clothes off, Mm -hmm. of course, but you're portraying a character and that's a huge part of it. So you have to build this narrative and tell a story and be a character while you're removing your clothes, I needed to go to the school. So at this program, I learned everything from glove peels to feather boa choreography mm. to stocking peels to tassel twirls and all the tassel twirls. I mean, like the upside down on your back, you know, wiggling them around. Oh, every were they, kind. yeah.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Like, that's something that has so many techniques within it. I mean, yes, you could just shake your boobs and see what happens, but there's so many ways to redirect them one way and the other way and then down and then up. And I had to learn all of that, and I loved it. And then my my career was set into How motion.
0: long did it take for you to go through the school? I think it was like six weeks.
1: Uh huh. It was six weeks, but it was a couple of classes a day. Uh-huh. And uh, it was all very useful, right, because you got – The specifics of learn this choreography and then we're going to refine it as we go. Mm -hmm. But then we had experiences and I still to this day recommend this to anyone who wants to feel more sensual.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: My favorite exercise that we did in the Burlesque Academy, the, the New York School of Burlesque, was one that was taught by a performer named Darlinda Just Darlinda. And at the very end of class, she said to us, I'm going to turn on a song Mm -hmm. and I'm going to dim the lights down. And I want you to imagine that you're working up some lather from a bar of soap between your hands. And I just want you to feel the music and move that soap across every part of your body as if you're in the shower, washing yourself. Mm -hmm. It was like an activity to be reminded that our bodies are so much more than just tits and ass, Mm -hmm. you know, like we found all of these sensual ways to activate, you know, the, the curve of the shoulder or, you know, the side of the body that leads to the hip. Mm -hmm. It was so useful. I still will use it as like a a daily practice. If I just need to feel sexy again Mm. and it was slow moving and it was syrupy and uh, it, it activated such a, such a, 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 a confidence in me I loved it oh wow so yeah. these
0: classes every day they were just like two or three hours yeah. Monday through Friday yeah yeah and was the school expensive or at the time or... I, I
1: remember having to save up for it I don't remember what tuition was mm-hmm. specifically but it I, wasn't crazy it wasn't crazy and okay. it was welcome to everyone that's what I liked as well is oh that,
0: it was welcome to everyone
1: and burlesque has been that that welcoming art Mm -hmm. space more and more and more and more as we as a culture Mm -hmm. begin to define ourselves more specifically and and more proudly. And I've been really excited by that, you know, because in, in other art forms, there's more exclusionary, limits you know yes. maybe you have to be a certain body type to dance mm. swan lake maybe you have to be you know a certain weight to be thrown in the air as a cheerleader and mm-hmm. that can that can limit someone's uh, you know desire in right. themselves right burlesque is not like that mm. burlesque is like we don't we don't care how you identify we don't care the mm. body that you're working with show us what you do show us what you do with it and it's mm. and that in itself is why I think it's it's stood the test of time and why it means so much to the people who do it and to the people who are in the audience. It's also just an absolute cry of sex positivity, you know, yes. because we're getting naked. Right. Right. We're getting, we're taking but it's our clothes a classy.
0: Up. You know, I really appreciate the arts. I'm a person that I love stand up and there is a whole craft to, to in a stand up comedian. Totally. And. I appreciate I've seen different like there's a featured dancers and I there's a whole I've always the few clubs that I worked at when they did have them I would appreciate that the the featured dancer in fact I I worked with when Lisa Ann was a long time ago she was one of the first features I ever encountered oh and she came in and she had this classy outfit she was yeah. the most the same way she was uh maybe it was 27 years ago the same way she is now yeah and i i appreciate that art but i didn't see i as a sex worker right you know here i worked at clubs and it was more survival for me so Mm. i didn't get to enjoy that art i didn't get to i had a child at a young age i had to get up and hustle Mm -hmm. but when i do see like the feature dancing or I see the burlesque performers mm. or I see um, I had Ona Artis and she's a content creator and she's very artistic and she's had art shows and she's took I, I just admire it so much. It's a beautiful of form of sex work that is it's I feel like we're losing it in a way. I
1: I, I, I don't I don't believe we're losing it. Mm-hmm. I think that it's beginning to uh, diversify and expand into so many different styles that's right. the thing right okay. um but i like what you said about feature dancers because here's where old world burlesque and let's say modern day stripping actually collide how long is a set of a feature dancer how long is that set usually two songs two songs
0: i'm thinking too because i always avoided the clubs though to be honest right that had the feature dancing yeah. i like the dirty clubs because yeah. i can make more money no well,
1: no i get you completely oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is now is that burlesque in its modern form today, is usually one song. Mm. So you're looking at maybe five to seven minutes. But in the old days, in the 30s and 40s, in the glory days of burlesque, Mm -hmm. when New York City had Minsky's Theater, which is where, you know, names like Gypsy Rose Lee would spend 15 minutes undoing the buttons on her glove. That reminds me of the length of endurance that it takes the performances that would happen from, say, a feature performer in a strip club it's it's a longer duration show. Right, right. Nowadays, if I do a burlesque show, I mean, I love it. I love doing it still mm-hmm. to this day. I don't do as much of it, but I know that I've got about five minutes out on that stage. Mm. Five minutes because I like to work with older songs personally. Like when, mm-hmm. I, when I get up there, I love picking uh, a really sexy instrumental, maybe something like Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass or something playful like a Ray Charles. Like I like... I like older songs and these things don't go on forever. You know, you got like four or five minutes. Mm. And so that's what I prepare for. And of course I could take up more time on that stage. I know I could, but, Mm -hmm. but that's where the feature dancers remind me of old world burlesque. Mm. Feature dancers in strip clubs have these long stage sets. Yeah. I was, I was hired to do one of my favorite burlesque. I don't want to call it a mishap, but Mm -hmm. because it is such a world that, overlaps in many ways with stripping with with club actual stripping is uh there was a a a venue just outside of toronto and i had moved back to toronto after new york city and it was out by the airport a couple other strip clubs around and they said we'd love to invite you laura desiree to come perform Mm
0: -hmm.
1: i thought this is a burlesque club okay cool yeah i did a little research i said oh it's a strip club maybe they're doing a burlesque night And I get there and no, it's, it's, it's a strip club Mm -hmm. doing a regular strip club night. And I was headlining Wow! and I thought, well, I only brought one song acts that are, you know, three and a half minutes, four minutes long. I brought multiple costumes, but Mm -hmm. I only brought that. And the, uh, the club manager said to me, well, no, you've, you've got to go at least 12 minutes, you know, 12 to 15 would be your performance. Yeah. So I had to dig into my memory bank of like really long form songs that might work well together and take my time with it. And it was obviously fun because back then I hadn't done too much with taking my pasties off. Now I I perform naked all the time, Mm -hmm. but that was one of my first times actually revealing my tassels, like ripping them off and making that part of the show. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I had... I had a, a few, a few little momentary experiences in your world Oh wow. and it is, um, I mean, if you like taking your clothes off, you'll be happy to do it just about anywhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so after you went out of the school, yeah. this, cause I'm very curious about yeah. this because I don't know the world and that's why I was like excited that you said yes to coming on. Um, Once you went through the school and everything, how hard was it to get a job? And what is that process like?
1: Right. How do you launch? Right, right, right. How How do you you do do that, especially when you don't have any experience just in a class? What I was grateful for about the New York School of Burlesque was that they had a showcase, which is what they did for every group Mm -hmm. of students that finish the curriculum in one chunk of time. So Mm -hmm. the showcase was uh, for all of us beginners doing our big you know, pageant talent show finale. And it was at the Parkside Lounge in the Lower East Side. And everyone got to perform a number. And I was working under the name Fraulein Feline. I hadn't committed to Laura Desiree yet, which is my (laughs) actual name. And I ended up making my career with Laura Desiree. But Mm -hmm. that night was terrifying. I was so ambitious. I said, I'm going to go out there in a really complicated Mm bodysuit and a really tight little mermaid tied skirt and a long black wig that got stuck in all the beating of my bodysuit. It was (laughs) so embarrassing and I don't know why to this day. I said, well, my character's coming out in handcuffs, actually locked handcuffs, and I had the key in my mouth and I'm gonna make it such a moment when I finally undo it. Stupidest Mm -hmm. move you could do as an amateur. Mm-hmm. why would you set yourself up for that shit? Why on earth would you make it that hard? Just go out there in a onesie and unzip it. But no, I said, I'm going to make it like a whole like Houdini magic trick moment. Mm-hmm. And it was a disaster. As I remember, like me trying, I think at some point I just couldn't get the handcuffs done. So I'm like, fuck it. Let's start undoing the bodysuit. Let's just start. And I'm cuffed and I'm trying to, it was so embarrassing. There's a mm-hmm. few photos of it that every once in a while I revisit, but it brings such a shudder into my system um, so I, I, I went back to go-going for about a year after that and said, I don't know if I can do this again. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I sampled some burlesque in go-go work. And that's how I built up that confidence again, you okay. know, get back on the horse. Yeah. Um, I found myself moving back to Toronto mm-hmm. and uh, this was now 2013. And I moved back to Toronto and I said, no, 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 I'm going to take over this city because Toronto is my original home. Mm-hmm. There was a small, but might a small, but strong burlesque community there. Right. And I went back to Toronto and said, I'm going to produce burlesque shows and I'm going to host them and I'm going to perform in them. And I'm just going to make Toronto a buzzed about burlesque city. Mm -hmm. And within a year I had regular weekly shows where I would perform and MC and schedule all of the performers coming in, not just from the Toronto scene, Mm -hmm. but outside of that Montreal. Eventually I invited some New York performers to come in and then I started my own touring schedule mm. and I myself as a soloist ended up it's just
0: so you crazy. started booking your own stuff I booked
1: my own stuff I said wow. I want to go to Europe I was like Europe is the dream it's like kind of the the holy wow. land of this art form I want to go to I want to go to Europe and do a tour I was like 3 years into burlesque at this point huh and I booked it and I I took my sister and we went on this crazy insane tour through Europe where You don't speak the language in all of these places. You know, you're in Berlin in some ancient old cabaret, Uh and there's an MC in a giant powdered wig on stage, lipstick smeared up their face, and they're speaking straight German to a cigarette-smoking audience that's just unimpressed by everything until they have a couple giggles and you know that the host is talking about you. You're waiting in the wing. You're waiting just to hear your oh, name because yeah. you don't understand any of this language, right? Oh, wow. And are they laughing at you or are they excited to see you? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But then your song starts and you have to go out there and do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it was such an education. It was such a profound education in being your own manager. Right.
0: In Well, the self-booking part. Right like that and then (laughs) tour
1: management full tour management like where are you staying when you get there how are you how did you research
0: how did you research like what plays what this is all so new to me so this is where i'm like
1: it's wild but burlesque as an art form Mm -hmm. like other facets of sex work and i know a lot of people are going to be listening to this saying it's not sex work it's it's soft sex work okay Mm -hmm. burlesque has a very tightly webbed net of of community. Mm -hmm. And so if you're looking to do a show in another city or another country, you just need to find out who the hell is a burlesque dancer there. Mm. And you start reaching out and you find out, well, what shows are they doing? What venues do they work with? It was like serious investigative work.
0: Now, strippers, Mm. because I always was a stripper, when we were in that dressing room, we are like a little family, a little community but there always is with sex workers that cattiness mm-hmm. and you know what I'm talking, I about, know what you're the, talking about that whole, did you ever would burlesque encountered us? Listen, there are
1: performers that are completely encrusted with Swarovski crystals all down their dress. The garment is so heavy because it's so expensive. Mm-hmm. It comes in a garment bag. Maybe there's even a helper that zips it up. And then there's burlesque performers that, you know, still have a shit stain in their G string and it's held together by Velcro and it's like <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, there's yeah. There's a huge scale oh, in well, between. Different. Okay. And so there is uh yes, have I experienced a bit of an elitism from mm-hmm. those that maybe can afford the nicer things. Yes, but I've also met really wonderful people that can afford the nicer things. But mm-hmm. yeah, when it's when it's an industry or when it's an experience, I should say that you want to go out and captivate the audience Mm -hmm. you do get in your head when you're in those early years and you're working with like fringe that's kind of falling apart or a seam that you couldn't quite finish so maybe you you hot glued it you know like there's there's a lot of that that you have to get used to Mm -hmm. and yes then you do earn enough money and you do buy the nice big costumes and Mm -hmm. they're. They're life-changing. They're made That's for sort of you. like a
0: regular stripper. Like, right. I remember when yeah. I started, I think I had um, like a couple outfits and then it slowly, okay, you buy this one outfit. Okay, yeah. now up by the, by the shoes, by right. the pleasers. Right. Oh, I like those pleasers. Yes. And then you're, yeah. Yeah, but God
1: forbid you gain a couple pounds. In right. burlesque, when your shit's made for you, and we're talking tight corsetry, mm-hmm. we're talking really custom designs that are supposed to shape the silhouette I have had to put things on hold for a minute, bring them back and things fit differently. And I have to get a readjustment here and there Mm. because, you know, our costuming is very tailored. It's made for us. It's Mm. made for the burlesque dancer. And uh, I, I have no idea how people store these things because I have a giant trunk in my room. Of garment bag, vacuum sealed burlesque costumes that I wish were like hanging someplace. But it blows my mind that New York City has so many burlesque performers and such tiny apartments. I'm like, where is everyone <laughs> putting this shit? Where right. are you putting it? Right. Like, it's insane. Yeah. It's a crazy amount of. Yeah, because it, it,
0: it, the, I'm looking to move right now yeah. and I'm looking, I don't want to live ever again in the Manhattan. So mm-hmm. I'm looking in Queens cause I need my space. You need your space. Yeah. yeah. And that's another thing. If there's so many, bur- like how do they store all that? It's
1: a lot of people have storage lockers, mm-hmm. people, most of the burlesque uh, performer community, they do live outside of Manhattan in spaces where they can have a little bit more room or they, or they make it work. You know, that's mm-hmm. what it comes down to. But you know, over the years I've had, such amazing costumes come my way. I remember I hosted Dita Von Teese when she was in Toronto mm-hmm. uh, at a very gorgeous event. Oh, wow. And that was, you know, one of the highlights of the career being mm-hmm. who she is and knowing that this is, you know, this is a very major player in the game. Right. Um, that was a huge accomplishment. And I had, I spent so much money upwards of like $7,500 on a costume. Wow. Tailor made Uh Swarovski encrusted corset, just stunning outfit. Okay. And I wore it that one night. Mm -hmm. And then about a week and a half later, I went on a trip to Montreal to perform, decided to go fly over to Vegas to spend a a weekend, go Mm -hmm. have some fun with friends on my way home. My luggage gets lost. Oh. And that costume is gone because they only my luggage was never found, oh. which to me says, oh, it was someone opened that shit but up. Somebody and said, this that likes good.
0: burlesque yeah. or
1: it was so heartbreaking. And it's not oh. the only costume I've lost over the years, but that one was so heartbreaking. And I remember getting on the phone with the, the airline Air Canada. and I said, you don't understand. I need this back. It's, it's my job. It's, it's in my world. It's the most I've ever spent on one of these. And they offered me 20% off on my next flight. Oh, Um, that was there. They're like, sorry, we we really can't find it. Oh no. It could still be sitting in a warehouse in Montreal somewhere. So if anyone is working in that lost luggage warehouse in Montreal. And they
0: see a burlesque.
1: Yeah. And it'll have my name on it. It's not like it's a bag that's just unmarked. It has my name on it. It's a little blue hard shell. And this was like eight years ago now.
0: So, so when did you finally become Laura Desiree? Because you said you yeah. started a certain name. And what yeah. was the time that you decided to...
1: When I moved back to Toronto
0: mm-hmm. and I said, I'm going to produce some
1: shows. I remember thinking, oh, my God, am I still going to go by Fraulein Feline? It's kind of German. And I didn't know how I felt about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it had a sternness and a militia to it um, that I was like, well, I don't know. Well, my real name is Laura Desiree. It's my first and my middle name. Mm-hmm. And I remember there's a couple of a couple of performers in the in the burlesque world that actually work by their real name. One of them is uh, the incredible Angie Pontani, and she lives here in New York, and mm-hmm. she's such an icon. And I was like, well, if she can have her real name, I'm gonna use my real name. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, you know, as I ventured further into adult, I continued keeping it, and it's still my real name. Mm -hmm. So every decision I've made, I have to own as we go. Right, right, right. Which
0: sometimes, yeah, I I have a friend, a good friend of mine, and she uses her real name. Yeah, and she loves it. And I did actually when I started stripping, I used my real name until I went to a club and they're like, you can't use it. And I was like, what? I can't use my name? Like they told me that they were like, no, no. And then I was forced to change. And I kind of was like, damn it. Like, like, and and I, I I took an adjustment to hear that other name.
1: I love that you went in to stripping with your real name. Yeah. I think that's amazing. And I I guess it was a good, a good little piece of advice to. Yeah.
0: It was later on. It made sense because I see what my good friend goes through now with her real name. She's like, you, you know what I'm saying? I see what she, uh, goes through and how she's like... Yeah, there's a Google search.
1: When you Google search my name... Mm You see everything. I mean, yes, amazing shows that I've done over the years, you know, 12 right. years now. Amazing performances, incredible costumes. But you also see, like, an unflattering moment where my nipple tassel is starting to peel off, unintentionally so. Or right, maybe right. I'm in a weird... Like, just, like, things that will... We're humans. Be, we're be, humans. Of course. It'll be attached to me forever. Right. And that's fine. My wig is falling off one way, which happened so many times in the business. Oh, my God. Right. Um, it really forces to Oh, now the wigs
0: that. we're oh, yeah. doing... Did you have a big wig collection?
1: I still have a big oh, you wig do. collection. You know why? Because I've always liked my short hair. Uh-huh. It's very easy for me. And I like that if I want to take on a different persona,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I can throw on a wig. So I had, I had like a graveyard of like 36 wigs at one point. It was insane in various states of disarray mm-hmm. i remember learning all kinds of weird hacks like if it was a really cheap synthetic wig and i would throw it in a, a bathtub of lo- fabric softener mm-hmm. and shit to try and bring mm-hmm. it some life like yeah uh, i mean the that's where the drag queens were a very good friend to me. And yeah. it was burlesque and drag has a lot of overlap. Yeah, as well, yeah, they do. Right? We mm-hmm. work together in a lot of the same shows because it becomes a variety experience, or so drag queens host burlesque shows. But mm-hmm. wigs to me were so necessary in building up the cartoon element of it all. Mm-hmm. I mean, lots of performers use their real hair. And that's great. I don't know how to do all that stuff. Right. I don't know how to do all of it. Those mm-hmm. are serious hairstyles. Yeah. Like I'm talking backcombing until yeah. you've been. And then it does nest. damage on your real yes. hair. Yes. Yeah. And, and and then super processing. I mean, it blows right. my mind. It's
0: beautiful work. Right. For I y- don't know how to do any of that. For years I was blonde, and it was oh, um gosh. because of the years that like I had to be blonde to work yes. at certain clubs. Um, because I started in the mid-90s and you had to be they want to do long, long hair, whatever. And I discovered lace front wigs in yes. 2005, oh way God. before. Um, and somebody taught me, and that was my saving grace. Now oh yeah. I could be my natural hair color. I mean, brunette. look how
1: good this one looks, everyone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I went through that. I When yeah. I first discovered lace in 2005... That was a game changer, and I remember buying a blonde wig and telling my oldest daughter, "This is what's going to pay your tuition." <laughs> like, and oh, it was I love that, yeah, and, and it was a necessity that I had at the time, though, because I had to be blonde. But it saved your, you know, yeah. We do as sex workers when we're yeah. performing; we're sometimes we have to put yeah. this image, but there's a need for the wet wig.
1: Listen, I wish I could say that every single time my, mine was a lace front. Mm-hmm. I wish I could say that, but that would be such a lie. You know how many times with my blonde well, hair? Well, they were usually, expensive. Yeah, yeah it was expensive. But you know, if, my, if my blonde hair had grown enough to make a little bang, mm-hmm. my trick was always, this is so nasty and I can't believe I would do this. I would take my black mascara and I would paint my hairline and I would paint into the whole front section of my bangs. And then I would fasten the wig behind it and then pull the bangs over. Oh, I did. I've done that before. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I was so convinced it looked good. And there's a couple moments where it did look good. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I just see it now and I clock it and I go, what were you thinking?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think every sex worker has that where they did something to their hair. What were you thinking? What were you thinking? Why why did you do this? Like, I I do have an ultimate
1: horror story that I've never told about a wig and burlesque (laughs) that to this day, like, I still get a a tickle of fear when it happens. Mm -hmm. There was a nightclub in Toronto called Candyland. And Candyland was, you know, set to be the biggest, meanest, craziest nightlife entertainment venue that Toronto had. Mm -hmm. And so it was a double-decker theater that on the second floor had a big horseshoe in it so that everyone on the second floor could see the stage. Mm -hmm. So giant, very opulent space. In the very middle of the ceiling, all the way up at the top of the second floor ceiling. We put in uh, a a hook, a a hard point. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And we let circus performers do their up and down on the silks on that. But I said, I'm emceeing this club. Uh, I think it would be really fun if we put a pulley system up there and I wore a rock climbing harness that was very bedazzled and sexy. And I swung over the handrail of the second story. Mm-hmm. And then you guys lowered me as I'm in a burlesque costume. Singing oh, that would be with, gorgeous. To the audience. Yeah. Listen, it worked seven out of 10 times, but the worst time that it didn't work, uh-huh. it was during the Toronto international film festival. So our venue was packed with celebrities out of towners, big, big audience. Mm-hmm. And I had a plan to start with Madonna's material girl and I was going to sing it mm-hmm. while I'm in a big Marilyn Monroe wig mm-hmm. and I'm in a tiny crystal bodysuit and a giant long piece of fur stole. This is as glamorous as I've ever fucking looked. Oh. I swing over the ledge and my music starts and I'm holding my microphone and we all know the beginning of it, right? Some boys kiss me, some boys hug me as I'm doing it. I realized my microphone isn't on the right channel. They can't hear me and I'm starting to be lowered now Uh and the spotlight's on me and I'm getting lower into the audience and they can't hear a damn thing. We're about maybe six feet above the audience now Uh and my wig enters my pulley system. (gasps) And about a week before this performance, I had shaved my head to the skull. So I'm trying to scream, sing as loud as I can and project this, but uh-huh. I'm getting closer to the audience. I'm right above them. And my wig has now lifted off of my head. Oh! It hasn't just vanished though. It hangs there to taunt me. Mm-hmm. And it's like all tangled up in this thing. And the guy lowering me continues to put me towards the ground. And I'm saying, stop it. Bring me back up there. <laughs> just don't let me touch the ground. And my, le- my feet land on the VIP table, just mm-hmm. as planned. I have no wig on. I'm scream singing a song that no one can hear me do. And there was one final move that I forgot I had asked for, and that was to have a stagehand take handfuls of confetti, silver confetti, and throw them to fall down me for a material, a material. But because the stagehand was so nervous as what had been happening, their clump of confetti became
0: more of of
1: a a hard ball, more of a baseball. And this idiot decided to still throw it. So I'm standing there bald, singing as loud as I can off Mm -hmm. key. And to finish this whole nightmare of an experience, this baseball of confetti hits me dead center in the forehead, does not explode and just hits the deck. Most embarrassing moment of my life oh so I, I unclipped the harness mm-hmm. i went backstage i screamed i cried i shook out a long morticia adams looking wig i put it on i came back on the microphone i said i don't know who the hell that was but we sent her home
0: <laughs> y'all deserve a professional tonight oh god that's the
1: magic of the wig right right oh right.
0: that was wow you but you changed your you put on a different wig. Yeah. you changed your attitude painted the eyebrows black and went out there Wow. Terrifying. But sometimes that's what we need to do. Exactly. We need to just, shit happens. It's out of control. Yeah. You can't we stop need it. To, we, we need to just put on our, a different wig, get out there and perform. There's so many mishaps in stripping. I yeah. mean, my
1: stripping and your
0: stripping, yeah. right? You've had a costume malfunction. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And You've- I worked at clubs where I started off at nude clubs. Yeah. A lot of people were like, wow. Wait, but at- then do you start nude? Um. You know, there was one club I worked at, Mons Venus in Tampa, Florida. It's real popular. Great name. Uh-huh. And for a full year, I wore a white tank top, yeah. no panties, and just heels. And then at the second year I had on, I think it was Tommy Hilfiger jeans when they were popular. Wow. And I walked around, I was topless. And I used to bank at that club because yeah. the owner had a rule, wear whatever you wear. Yeah. And it was a very popular club. The owner was fantastic. Joe Redner, his name. But... It was kind of cute. Like some of the girls would, they would wear like a tank top, but it was sexy. Or one girl wore like a men's t-shirt and she would put it right there. And it was, it would look good on her. And it was sort of like she was wearing a man's shirt. Every day she would have a different shirt. So that club allowed us to really, and some girls would wear tennis shoes. What? I This club, like. But they wanted you to dress as you do. But he did not, that owner Really let you be your individual person, who you were. And if you wanted to wear a bikini or whatever. But I, I, I think back to that day of, you know, this is before you know, the way society changed mm. and, and everything and every other club, like I remember the dollhouse, you had to wear this gown and these mm. heels and you had to have all that. And I was like, I'm making so much money just in my like Tommy Heel figure jeans. It's not like, amazing? why would I, but if you went in there as a, a, even, you know, couples would go in there, people were like, wow, look at this. Yeah, You would see all these women and dressed in all different kinds of ways because I remember the men's shirt or whatever. And it kind of filled a fantasy for guys opposed to, all of them in the same little dress. So I.
1: That's a different audience then. Yeah. See, that audience would not be in the burlesque club. Right. Because burlesque is so fantasy, mm-hmm. so fantastical. And yes, there are absolutely performances that mm-hmm. are more natural where people are stripping out of, say, street clothes. Yeah. Of course, that exists too. Because, right. like I said, burlesque is hella diversified today. Yeah. But the audience that wants that real look mm-hmm. is not gonna come to a burlesque right. show. We're in well, costumes. this
0: was predominantly heterosexual right. men that were coming in for the, we were new, known for nude lap dances. Right. There was no liquor. This club was, at the time, it was like a big deal to work there, but um, because it was so, like it would, at night it was pack to pack. By 10, 10 p.m. I had to be out. Really? Because it was, and there was money there. But <laughs> um, it was different. It was very different because, and again, he let, at the time, again, I started in 1995, he allowed all different races coming in there. Um, he was picky about weight though. He wanted mm-hmm. people to be on the thinner side. That was mm-hmm. the one thing that he was uh, still to this day. He's probably the same. Um, but he was, he just let us all be our individual self. It was what great. What was
1: your song? Did you um, have, what were your favorites?
0: Well, what? Because of all the years, I always tell, "This is the thing." You know, I'm a love. I love comedy. Pour and I, some
1: sugar on me. Well,
0: no, I, I because I worked at nude clubs, I kind of have PTSD, and I say this if anybody listens to my podcast, I can't hear certain songs. Listen, and I, I can't eat roast beef. So, like, <laughs> I and I always say, and that's kind of why I have a love for comedy because what? I. You know, this sounds kind of crazy. I've turned down a Beyonce concert before. Really? Because of me dancing all these years and hearing songs and music. It wasn't that I didn't like music, but, you know, I heard so much of it that I wanted like a calm night. So, but I appreciate the arts. I do enjoy, um, there's some really fierce feature dancers out there, hell
1: yeah you know but the but the the, the, re- the repeated soundtrack can burn you out right I get it. oh yeah yeah I totally yeah oh get it. some
0: so- nine inch nails will do oh, it come yeah on.
1: nine inch nails closer i still fuck with it though can <laughs> <laughs> i just say but i know i, I know yeah, i know it's yeah, over it's I, well overplayed. certain,
0: certain songs yeah. will i'll be like oh okay so it, it for music at the time um there was a period of time I remember in Vegas that I went more for house music, nice, and I enjoyed it. And there were certain songs that I loved um, very, very early. There were some hip hop songs, but we weren't allowed to during that time. What? They would oh, strip clubs—they wouldn't even allow. Are you kidding me? Okay, you me?
1: go to the strip club now because I do. The strip
0: clubs now have changed from when I was a. Stripper. Yeah,
1: because I go to Sapphire here in the city right. all the time. Right. And all it is is hip hop. Right. That's you actually don't hear anything else. You will not hear anything. Right. Else. My
0: day, there were certain clubs they were they would not allow it. Wow. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. There were certain clubs they were they didn't want the audience back then. Again, the times were different. Yeah. You you understand? And there was clubs that I couldn't even work at night. Um, I remember one club, they and I'd be like, "What? I'm small," and they would say, "You're heavy," and then I would look at, I'd be like, "But that girl's real heavy. Like yeah. she's twice the size." And there was a race issue. They did only wanted so many white girls. So yeah, I, I experienced a lot of prejudice. The early, you know what I'm saying, yeah. from my end yeah. was different. And so times have changed quite a bit in the strip clubs that are way different. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, it's great because it's more it's changed it's more diverse would you,
1: would you uh make a reappearance
0: I've always wanted to make reappearance wow. I've always want yeah <laughs> I've always wanted to Or but, come
1: to burlesque. yeah come to that burlesque. would
0: be that would be I would I'm very um, very curious about it yeah and I'm always but uh you know I've been in this game since 95 Listen <laughs> you can
1: get in on it at any time so one of my favorite things about the burlesque industry mm-hmm. is something called the burlesque hall of fame. Mm-hmm. This is like, the, so oh,
0: there's a whole hall of, there's fame. a hall
1: of fame in Vegas. Uh-huh. It's an actual museum. There's the burlesque museum, but then there's this event that happens uh-huh. every, I think it's every summer. Um, And it's called the Burlesque Hall of Fame Weekender. And it is the Academy Awards of burlesque. And performers from around the world, I mean, globally, you'll get people from Tokyo, you'll get people from uh, far stretches of Alaska, whatever, everyone comes in. And they perform in a number of different showcases. Everyone's competing for the Miss Exotic World or Mr. Exotic World title. But one of the uh, uh, programs within Mm -hmm. the Burlesque Hall of Fame Weekender is the Legends category. Mm -hmm. And this is where you will see performers that are well into their 60s, their 70s, their
0: 80s. Oh, my gosh. I've got it. When is that? it's in the summer. I oh, I I, got, okay. I don't remember the exact weekend oh, date. We oh, got to look it up.
1: Yeah. But they will come out and dazzle us. You will see these performers that, you know, their maybe mobility has changed a right, little right, bit. Right. Um maybe they're, you know, it's more of just a strut and a, mm-hmm. a little pose, but they come out and they perform. And it's amazing because the community itself celebrates these individuals so much. Like no one wants to say, "Oh, well, that used to be somebody." Hell no! There's something we can learn from that person. Bring them out. Let's right. celebrate. That's them.
0: great. They, they it? should do that with. When I first started dancing, the one thing that I did do, and I'm so glad I did, the oldest strippers mm. they all sat me down. Really. And I asked them, and then I took and they listened to me and I remember they each told me different things. They didn't sit me down like they had a bad talk or whatever. Yeah. But when they gave me advice, I sat and I listened. And one of the advice was uh, don't ever give a man any money. And this is before this is how long ago. Well, that's smart. Though. They said they said uh, mm. when he leaves and he has to go to the pay phone that quarter. Don't even give him that quarter. Wow. They were, I'll never forget. Well, because that
1: opens the door. Yeah. And right? she
0: said, and this lady told me that. And, that's, and think about how far that was before yeah. we had cell phones. She was telling me that. She goes, when you kick them out and they give a quarter, don't even give them that quarter. They need to find it on the streets. I,
1: I think <laughs> that that goes across the board for sex work. Right? right. These are our bodies. Yes. We are using our bodies to mm-hmm. earn our living. Right. And so often... People misconceive how how much we make, if we're deserving of it. Hey, mm-hmm. can I borrow a little bit? Oh, well, you must be rolling in it because right. you do that. And that shit still exists today. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, I, I think that people do need to be, individuals in the industry, we need to be smart about it. Mm-hmm. We really need to be smart about it. You yeah. can't be out there helping everyone yeah. and emptying out your savings because the thing is, our bodies are our product right our bodies are all we have to continue earning a living mm-hmm. and with that in mind there is a date where you might not wish to do this anymore or maybe right. you can't do it anymore right, right so put that damn money away for you yes right? yes you do
0: need to yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah now how did the movie burlesque oh, what did your boy. community think tell me obviously be the honest truth. we
1: are so we were so excited mm-hmm. everyone was so excited okay Everyone was like, wow, this is so cool. Our our industry isn't just getting a scene in mm-hmm. a movie where maybe you see something happening on a stage behind the two characters. No, this is a movie about our industry.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was such a fucking miss. It was so, it was such a miss. It was so misinformed about how mm-hmm. the industry actually works. I mean, I saw it once very late. Mm-hmm. I remember everyone saw it and I was like, I don't want to watch that. I have no interest in seeing mm, it because Hollywood sometimes they don't do—they're not very accurate with sex. Work. No. Also, you can't just walk into a club and get a you know burlesque spot right like that, and that's pretty much what happens oh, in, in the movie, right? You and gotta earn it. You gotta earn it. Like mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of training and and different kinds of networking that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, then again, the veil of disillusion—we have to. It's a movie, okay? Right. It's a movie. It was not a documentary. It's a movie. Um, I don't think it's. I don't think it's the most accurate depiction of burlesque. Mm-hmm. I think it's candy-colored and it's exciting and there's a lot of fantastical flashes of you know interesting camera angles and great high kicks. But it's mm-hmm. not burlesque. Mm. It's not burlesque. I mean, there's a great documentary called "Stripper" that I think is way more honest oh, about what's that t-
0: that t- stripper.
1: Stripper is a documentary, I think it came out, it's either the late 80s or early 90s. Mm -hmm. And it's about the story, true story, of like four or five strippers on their individual tours. Mm. Um, One of them's going across Canada, one of them's going to compete for a big headlining title in the States. And that to me, I mean, it, it is a doc, so mm-hmm. it's meant to be as true as possible. That gave me a profound understanding of what it means to be a, a hustler and a, and a worker in this world of, of strip. You
0: right. Know, that, no, because that, cause, me, cause that yeah. that's the thing with stripping. It was a hustle. Yeah. The way we found out other clubs was by word of mouth. Yeah. Um, I can say one thing out of all the sex work, I do miss being in a stripper well, we would, it'd be bathroom or, you know, dressing room because yes. we were like family yeah. and we really, I feel like strippers are the most united with each other. They,
1: they really are. Yeah, they, they really, really are. Yeah. Do you know how many nights, I mean, obviously the most famous is, hey, can you see my tampon string? That's, oh, yes, yes yes, 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 yes. <laughs> but there was also, if I bend over, can you see too much of my hole? That's the other one, right? Because some places they don't want that. They don't right, want you to t- bend over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't want you in the g string bending over and you see something. So we would do that check a lot. Sometimes it was a check of, well, actually, can you put a little makeup around it so you can't see it? Like, you know, how many times we were up in each other's business and even in Europe when I didn't, when we didn't speak the same language, oh, yeah. I found myself still doing this with people. And that's when I realized this really is—it's—it's it's a community. Yeah. It's a community that looks out for each other. So
0: the burlesque in a way is a lot like the actual club. Yeah. Oh, wow. Especially
1: in the dressing room.
0: Yeah. Oh. Especially in the
1: dressing room. I mean, oh my God, the makeup alone. Do you do you miss any of that? Did you ever do the big face? Did you ever do like, did you beat your face for stage? Because burlesque, mm-hmm.
0: that shit is thick. Oh, so it's real thick. With- oh, that
1: is thick thick i mean nowadays there's this there's even more of a trend because we've been so inspired by you know the the drag and Mm -hmm. and rupaul's drag race that i've been seeing burlesque performers pack even more on and and we love it we love it um and again just to put it out there there is a whole industry within burlesque of folks that don't want to put that on their face and that's fine Mm -hmm. um but yeah the makeup is so intense i remember when i would do long strings of tours by the end of it One tour in specific when I was in New Orleans and Mm -hmm. I went all through those southern states in the heat of it. I remember my wingtip eyeliner had become a scab on my eyelid just from drawing it every night and sweating so deeply into my face Mm. that that little black wingtip was like burned in it was a whole i i know that i had yeah. that too yeah. I that. it was
0: a damn callus <laughs> by yeah, the end of it yeah, i was I like have... okay we need a break and another time um i could pop on um eyelashes yeah. i learned eventually easily and people are like how did you do that don't
1: people always ask you to put on lashes for them now oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah i can't yeah. do it on other i people. can't do it on other people no and that's what they don't understand
0: and then they think and i, then do- I have a way yeah. because my eyes are smaller you have to. I know where to it. cut them. Exactly. Yeah, same. Same. Yep. But people always think that I'm like some gatekeeping business
1: when I'm like, I just don't want to put it on you because I actually don't know how. Yeah.
0: Like I don't. know I how can to do put it on myself perfectly. No close my eyes and everything. I might not but even other, need a mirror. Yeah. Right? That's how I am. But yeah, other people I can't. And I can't do. I remember somebody told me recently, "Why don't you be a house mom? Can you do makeup?" Like I was like. No. No. Well, you do your makeup good. I can't do. I'm not a makeup artist. Like I have a makeup artist for you. I've got a couple. Why just because I do my makeup? Do you need? You know, Uh, they don't understand. Yeah. So I totally get that. Isn't that funny?
1: Because the fast face. That right. was the other thing. I'm sure you, you pounded it. Oh, on yeah, yeah, those some yeah. nights, right? In between shows, I remember doing uh, set changes in a club in Hamburg where it was so smoky in this club. There's an area of Hamburg called the Reeperbahn, and it is like lawless. It is solicitation on the streets. It is a couple of uh, areas that women who aren't working aren't even allowed to walk down because it's reserved for working girls. There's all kinds of sex theaters. And Mm -hmm. anyways, so the the burlesque club I was working at was in this district. And um, the show was so fast. Every single night we would have, in, in an hour we would do four shows. So you've got maybe 10, 15 minutes in between to fix your shit. And go, 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 go. And you're changing costumes. So you probably want to change up the makeup a little bit. Mm-hmm. That to me was the most valuable experience in getting ready for a show because I don't know how I did it, but I did it every single night there. And I was there for a week and it was like, you go, you paint, you go, you <laughs> hold it on. You maybe overdraw it a little bit, but that's okay. Cause it looks sexy. And then you go out there and you do it. And that to me, I, I don't think I could do it still to this day. But, mm-hmm. Right. You um, you
0: were used to that pressure and yes, you were able just to put on yes, that makeup. Yeah.
1: In that moment, like, yeah. I could do it like that.
0: Now, I my one question I want to ask, and I don't yeah. really like to go into about money because it's such a funny thing. Yeah. But is the to negotiate fees and the money was the pay good or anything, you know, because. Yeah. Yeah. I, the thing with me is I was used to. It was up on me right. to get my money. Right. I had to like sit there, count. Okay, how many people are there? Right. Okay, let me talk to this person. Look, how is the pay and how was negotiating with different places?
1: For, for an industry and an art form that is so glamorous, mm-hmm. it does not pay great. Mm. It really doesn't pay great. That's why so many of us would have to do multiple gigs in a night at different clubs. So mm. there's many different structures of how it could work. Sometimes it's an event where... Uh, it's a ticketed event, and every performer on the bill is getting a split
0: of mm, the ticket okay, sales. Okay.
1: There's also the um, guarantee up front, which could be anything from, you know, $200 for your performance to $1,000 for your performance. It's rare that you would get the $1,000 for your right, performance. Right, right. The, the good big money was always in corporate work. Mm. So you would get like a corporate Christmas party. And they always want some kind of a safe-for-work burlesque. Mm -hmm. you know, a show that maybe you get out of a dress and you're in lingerie, but you don't go beyond that. There's no tassel twirling. Okay. But during the holiday time, you could end up making bank just doing all these corporate So the safe for work less is more. Right. Because they want it to be exciting and a little naughty, but they don't want, you know, the other employees to feel uncomfortable. They don't want to be the ones that had, you know, uh, too sexy of a party. They don't want to be the company that gets the bad rep, but they do know no one can resist beautiful people Mm -hmm. teasing you with a strip tease. So that's where the big money would be. And it was every time that you'd get Halloween was big. Everyone wants, mm-hmm. you know, oh, this is the so-and-so makeup company wants to do a haunted house for our our our, our crew. Mm-hmm. So let's hire some burlesque people. Or Christmas. Oh, my God. Everyone wants a naughty Santa's little helper moment. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that mm-hmm. was so popular. Valentine's Day. I don't know how the hell we got looped into that. New Year's Eve. Really, everyone wants. I you. could say
0: New Year's Eve. That would yeah. be something classy a, for in, couples in a
1: champagne glass. Right, everyone wants the champagne glass at New Year's Eve, and uh-huh. it makes sense. I mean, yeah. that's when we toast champagne and and get wasted, of right. course. But those, that's where you'd make the the really good check. Okay, but also city by city is different is another mm. thing. New York's okay. Mm-hmm. New York's okay for burlesque. Um, it pays its 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 performers pretty well. Right. There's a lot of wonderful venues to perform here though. That's the other thing, right? Other cities in this country, not so much. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of places. That's what
0: I, I, I'm so used to big cities. I kind of right. need a big city, like right. LA or New York, because I would be, oh. yeah.
1: That's why I went by the Laura Desiree, The Big City Kitty. Oh, that's that right, di- yes, yes, yes. That was the, the hook to it.
0: How because... did you come up with
1: Big City Kitty? <laughs> I, I, love, oh, I city. love touring big metropolis. I I don't mm-hmm. want to go to a small town whatever yeah and i did that as well but i right. like the big city um my father had a big record collection growing up and i remember he had this uh rockabilly compilation of like weird american rock and roll that never charted anywhere and uh-huh. there was a song and the title was hillbilly willie met kitty from the city and that always stuck with me oh. and i was like kitty from the city ooh, the big city kitty <gasps> and i took it from that
0: oh wow everyone has a
1: slogan under their name in burlesque that's the thing you all have a little catchphrase under your name right the golden throat of burlesque oh, she, go- sings. <laughs> she sings with it you know the, the 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 greatest legs in the game like these are all awful like there's right, actual right, right, ones right. that are good out there but yeah oh wow yeah everyone's got a little catchphrase and i, I encourage everyone even if you're not a burlesque performer what would be your catchphrase
0: yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Figure that one out, everybody. The dirty slutty. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. I already know where you're going. I love it. And I love Some it. Some little,
0: um, well, this has been really great because I I don't know the first thing about burlesque, but I have been a sex worker since 1995, and I just appreciate the arts. Anybody that has to get up, think, of, make a whole routine from themselves, mm. and be original, authentic, and then perform. Mm. I really admire, mm. you know what I'm saying? And it sounds um, very similar, the burlesque, to like uh, stand up comedians because you have to go from gig to gig. Yeah. It's
1: very similar in so many ways. Wow. I mean, the audience is completely dead, silent, staring at you, waiting, saying, come on, clown, let's let's give us some entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a lot of comedy that gets woven into burlesque. And that's one of the ways that it is different from stripping is, you know, you get these characters that sometimes have a comedic tone to them. I mean, it used to be paired with stand-up comedy in the heyday mm. of, of burlesque. So yeah, there's a lot of similarity uh, in both of those. It also can feel quite revealing just as
0: stand-up comedy is, right? <laughs> right, right, It's right. very revealing. I'm seeing the similar the right? similarities yeah. there. Yeah, because the way you're explaining it, and then the gigs, and then the yeah. corporate gigs, you yeah. go, okay, we're going here, we can't use this. Exactly, yeah.
1: exactly. And mm-hmm. we all get along very well. I find that uh, mm-hmm. my rapport with comics has been great. And, uh, you know, we we get each other. Right. We get each other. Now,
0: you were part of Naked. How did Naked News, how did that come about from the burlesque? That is exactly how it came about. This okay. is such, this is a great little
1: weaving <laughs> moment here. So I was doing all of this burlesque in the city in, mm-hmm. in Toronto at the time. And I had years now touring all over Europe and all over places like Mexico and Jamaica and mm-hmm. everywhere in the States. I had done all of it. Um, and uh, someone sent me an email on my Facebook and said, would you ever teach the other anchors at a show called Naked News? Would you teach them how mm-hmm. to do a burlesque act? We just think it'd be a fun segment. So I said, sure. And I showed up and I said, well, we're going to be fully naked, right? And I said, yeah, we're going to be fully naked. And uh, I taught these three other anchors on the show (laughs) how to strip out of a satin robe Mm -hmm. and gloves. And it was very basic and it was very cute. And while I was on set with them, they said, gosh, you're quite a personality, aren't you? Yeah. Can you read a (laughs) teleprompter? And I said, of course I can read a teleprompter. Let's go. Um, And then they hired me. And it became a whole other chapter. And that's actually what kind of pushed Burlesque into the background of my life, Mm. was finding that level of, uh, I guess, uh, TV journalism and and reality TV insanity. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the the switching
0: gears. Wow. Now... Currently, presently, are you doing any burlesque? I did go to that show that you did have, which was real good. It was fun. Yeah, that was. I was like, but I kind of was like, oh, I've got some dirty text message too. I was like, no,
1: and that was. We're gonna workshop that one. It's still on its way to you know. My makeup
0: artist today was saying because I do sex pamper, and one time I told her, hold on, hold that doll and I went to the corner and I did a call, and she goes, yeah, you just came back. She she goes, you said all these things. She goes, I was just sitting there staring at you yeah. and you came back and you were different I go yeah like yeah that's, that's what I do. It's so fun. You now. know, oh my God, I it's know.
1: so fun. And yes, I will continue mm-hmm. developing that sexting show, but I do burlesque. I'd say maybe three times a month in the city. Oh, now. okay. So I still do it. There's a couple of venues. One of them is that clubhouse that we were okay. at NSFW. Um, another one is with uh, a members only club called Sanctum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then otherwise I pop up and do shows with some folks in Brooklyn from time to time. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't done slipper room in a while. I've, I've done the box recently. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, yeah, it's still live and well, and I still love doing both the very slow-moving classic stuff where you're leading the audience with your eyes to maybe your fingertip because it's about to go into your mouth and the glove's about to be peeled off. But I also love the raunchy shit mm-hmm. where you're just throwing your body around like crazy. I love yeah. that stuff, too. You're, so. you're able to do oh, it. I do it all. I do it all. Yeah. Wow. Bruised knees me. and everything.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so where. um Thank you very much for coming on the show. And thank you so much for doing this episode because it opened up my eyes. And now I've got a whole bunch of things to Google. Yes. Uh (laughs) I'm so excited for you. I'm serious. You're going
1: to make a return to strip teasing uh, burlesque. Yes, you are.
0: Yeah. Yes, you are. It would be nice. It would be nice. I I have before I change out the boot, because I'm having, I'm going to downsize my boobs. I'm, uh, it's been too many. These implants have been here since 1997. So I need to take them out. And in, uh, late November, I'm going to be getting, like, just, I decided, like, okay, it's time. So, probably before that, that would be nice. A
1: farewell tassel twirl. A fa- yes. A fa- right? I,
0: I do want to learn that. Yeah, so I didn't fair- even know that you had to do a certain turn. There
1: is. There's a, there's a whole system to it. And all of you are just going to have to get into my DMs to figure it out.
0: Yeah. So, listen, guys. Um, Lord Desiree, please yes. let my audience know where they can find you, where they can follow you, mm-hmm. or whatever. Because... She's truly fascinating. Thank (laughs) you.
1: Thank you so much. And this was so much fun. Um, Mm -hmm. You can find me on all social medias uh, as Laura Desiree or go to LauraXDesiree.me and you'll find all my links there. Perfect.
0: Nice and easy. And my name is Marcella Alonso. Uh, IG is Marcella Marcella Sobella, Facebook is Marcella Sobella, IG. If you'd like to see the Patreon episode, please go to marcellasobella.com and you could subscribe and see all the episodes of Get School. Thank you again, Lord Desiree, for coming on Get Schooled.
1: Well, just in case, it's D E S I R E E Desiree. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>